0: In this session of, look at the book, we focus on Romans nine, fourteen to 18, and the question why God is not unjust in choosing Jacob over Esau, even though he chose them before they were born, he chose one of them before they were born or had done anything good or evil. So, Father, as we focus now on this passage, I pray that you would guard us from error and that you would make us faithful to your word and that you would give us the right spirit as we deal with these weighty matters of your freedom and your righteousness in election. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul begins this paragraph, What shall we say then? is there unrighteousness or injustice on God's part? By no means. So the resounding affirmation, like a flag flying over this entire text, is no unrighteousness with God. What had he said that caused him to raise that question, or to make that protest that, don't ever think, that there's unrighteousness with God. What had he just said? And this is what he had just said. Though they, Jacob and Esau, were not yet born, had done nothing good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she, Rebecca, their mother, was told, the older Esau will serve the younger Jacob. So Jacob is going to have the the prominent covenant place and not Esau, even though uh, Esau came out as a twin first. And then he quotes Malachi, as it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. We looked at that in a previous session. So the issue here is that one has been chosen, Jacob, over another before They were born before they had done anything good or bad, and the reason was that election might stand not because of works. And I argued that that right there includes anything that Jacob and Esau are by nature or do by their own resources. So election is not on the basis of any of their uh, distinctives, but on the basis of Him, Him who calls, namely God. So God is seen to be radically free and independent in His choosing of Jacob over Esau. And that causes Paul to say, well, what then shall we say? Is there unrighteousness on God's part in doing that? And we're glad that he asked that question because many people. Have. So, what I want us to see mainly, and just very briefly, because we're going to look at this more than once, is the surface structure of the argument, because he starts an argument right there to support the fact that there's no unrighteousness. The surface structure as opposed to the deep structure, and just show you the difference between those two, and then we'll come back to it next time. Four. So the reason that God is not unrighteous in choosing Jacob over Esau is because God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So there's a quote from Exodus 33, 19, stating, I am free. I have mercy on whom I have mercy I have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then. So we had a four here to support what went before. And now this is an inference. Therefore, so then. Because of that, it depends not on the one who wills or the one who runs, but on God who has mercy. And then comes another four. For, the scripture says, and he quotes the scripture again, this time Exodus 9, 16. For, the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So that's another because clause. So that for is like this for. And he refers to Exodus 9.16. And this Pharaoh and this person on whom he has mercy probably correspond to Esau and Jacob. We'll come back to that next time. And now, again, so then. So here's so then and here's so then. And here is four, and here is four. You see the structure. So then, he has mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens whom he wills. So now here's the, here's the surface structure. You have two because clauses four, four. And you have two. So then clauses. We'll use this little symbol like geometry. So then, therefore. So the structure here is crystal clear. He signals exactly how his mind is working. He's got one main affirmation right here, God is not unrighteous. And he has these two uh, arguments from the Old Testament, Exodus thirty three nineteen, right here, and Exodus 916, right here, and in between those two ground clauses, he has these conclusions that he draws, and these conclusions, he assumes, justify the statement that he's made. Now, that's, that's all I want to say about the argument right here, except for this. Once you see a structure like that, because, therefore, because, therefore, you have seen what I'm calling the, the surface the surface structure. And that's unbelievably important, but we don't yet understand the argument just because we can describe the fact that this is a ground clause, and this is an inference, and this is another ground clause, and this is an inference. That has not explained the text. I'll show you why. This right here, there is, there is no unrighteousness with God because, for, for, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. How does that work? It is not obvious at all on the surface how stating that, according to Exodus 33 19, justifies this statement. Giving the illustration. So suppose I say, I am scared because Joe is not here. Now, the surface structure of that argument is crystal clear, right? I'm scared. Here's the signal why. Here's my reason, my ground. Joe is not here, so this because right here corresponds to these two fours, and we don't yet understand how they work any more than we understand how this one works. Because Joe might be your 16-year-old son, and it's midnight, and he said he'd be home at 10, and this is his first night out with a car, and he's not home, and you're scared he might be in a wreck. That's one understanding of because. Or Joe might be a policeman, and he's supposed to be at your house to protect you because you just got a threatening phone call, and Joe, the policeman, isn't there yet. You see what I mean? Underneath, Underneath the surface structure is this deep structure... Of what's really going on. And that's what we don't yet see here. So that's what we have to turn to next. So the main lesson here is whenever you identify these words like for, for, so then, so then, you have done something incredibly important but you've only begun to understand the text.